0: DJ PK, and it's time to welcome in Michael Lev. He covers the Arizona Wildcats for the Arizona Daily Star. BYU plays Arizona in the season opener. The Utes will have their traditional South Division clash with Arizona later in the season. So Ute and Cougars gather around the radio and let's see what we can learn about the Wildcats as they try to pull off a bounce back season. Michael, good morning. Hey guys, how are you? We are doing we are doing well. Can the same be said of the Wildcats? Because the last time we saw them, they were getting absolutely pummeled by Arizona State. Coaching change, everything's brand new. Is uh is Jedfish changing the just the whole energy and vibe around the program? Cause it seems like if that doesn't happen, then everything else is a waste of time.
1: He is, and he has. Um there's, a, there's just a different kind of feel to everything under Jedfish. Fish. Um, things are very open. Um, there's a, an undercurrent of optimism around here, um, which is uh, great. It's, it's refreshing, needed. Uh, no one talks about that um, terrible Territorial Cup experience. Um, who who would want to talk about it here? Um, it was pretty much uh, you know a nightmare, um, but maybe it was necessary because um, change happened afterward, and thus far um, the the change has been positive. Uh, you know, things could change, of course. Again, uh, once they take the field against BYU, if, if um, that game is, is a blowout loss. Uh, People will start, you know, maybe talking about, you know, personnel and what's wrong with Arizona football and that sort of thing again. But for now, it's all about um, how different things are, different looking offense, different approach to spring practice, um, open practices, uh, involvement of the community, turning things around. Everything is sort of is pushing uh, in a positive direction.
2: Well, Michael, as an ASU grad myself, I talk about seventy to seven every day, so <laughs> I, I enjoy taking. It. I have, I just have a TV downstairs. It's just on constant rerun. It just starts from the beginning and goes to the end. I I turn it off when Jackson he scores that last touchdown, and then I go to bed. Uh, but following the Wildcats and uh, what they've been doing, certainly Fish has been uh, bringing in a lot of energy but it was hard not to because Sumlin was a big old downer and his team sucked and all that. So you still have to have players, and with that in mind, let's just start right at the quarterback. We know Gunnell took off, transferred out, and so in spring they had a couple local guys, Gunnar Cruz, I think he start, uh, was at Washington State and then transferred in, and then Will Plumbers up from the Phoenix area. But they, and both those guys were in spring ball, but they also have Jordan McLeod, who is a, uh, coming over as a South Florida transfer, and I think he has like uh, 15, 16, 17 starts. So he's got some experience, not necessarily for a great team, but as far as quarterback, where do you think it stands?
1: Yeah, it's wide open still. Um, Gunnar Cruz, uh, who's from Arizona, uh, he did transfer in in March, jumped right into the quarterback competition in spring. He and Will Plummer went back and forth uh, throughout spring camp. And, I mean, I would have said maybe halfway through spring that Gunnar Cruz was ahead and was the favorite for the job. But then Will Plummer, who had hit kind of a, a wall at one point, he rallied in a pretty significant way, and he closed that gap. And I'd say the two of them are neck and neck at the moment. And then you bring Jordan McLeod into the mix, and he's going to be given every opportunity to win the job. So I don't think we're very close at all to figuring out who that is. Um, it's a big transition for pretty much any, um, high school or transferring quarterback because very different system than what these guys are used to. Um, was just watching some highlights of Jordan McLeod the other day and he's, you know, he's running a spread down there in South Florida. He's in the shotgun all the time. Um, you know, when they do a play action fake, it's that little, you know, kind of dip the ball down and take a step back. When they do a play action fake in this offense, I mean, it is, you know, NFL style. You're under center. You're turning your back to the defense. You're taking five and seven step drops. Um, there's a lot of uh, different mechanics that are involved in that. Um, it's There's different verbiage that's involved. Um, and... You, know, you saw the the, the growing pains uh, with the two quarterbacks who were here uh, in spring. Uh, both of them kind of had their moments of kind of indecisiveness, hesitation, where you could just tell that they were thinking about a lot of stuff out there and not playing freely. And it wasn't kind of until the end of spring that Will Plummer started to to really open up and play freely um, and, and use his natural ability. Uh, where it was kind of becoming muscle memory. Um, and that's kind of the, I don't know, that's the, the kind of the common theme for every one of the quarterbacks as we head into summer and into training camp is how do they handle that transition to a very different uh, pro style offense?
0: So at running back, uh, Brightwell's gone off to the Giants now. Uh, Michael Wiley played a little bit in the spring, but not a lot. Uh, you wrote a thing about Bam Smith. What's happening at running back? How is this going to sort itself out?
1: Yeah, I think they're fine there. Uh, again, probably the deepest team, uh, position uh, on the team, even with, you know, even losing a couple of, you know, I, I guess I'll call them NFL guys the last two years. You know, JJ Taylor wasn't drafted, but he made the Patriots and played a little bit last year, and then Gary Brightwell was selected by the Giants. Um, still have Michael Wiley, who looked good uh, last season. Uh, as kind of the you know the number two behind Brightwell. Um, they brought in Drake Anderson, a transfer from Northwestern who has a lot of college experience. And it's a little different style of runner. He's a little bit more nifty uh, and shifty. Um, they also have Jalen John, who's a second year freshman, who's a bigger kid. Uh, maybe in the 225-pound range, uh, brings some power to the position. Um, Stevie Rocker, a freshman from here in Tucson, looked really good in spring. Um, The guys who cover high school sports here told me that he looked better in spring practice than he ever did in high school uh, while he was playing uh, for, for Canyon Del Oro here because he was healthy and he seldom was during his prep career. And they have another kid coming in, James Bowles, uh, from uh, Orange County, California, who just had a really good spring uh, uh, in their you know shortened season that they had out there. So I think plenty of running backs, and I think the important thing to note is that th- that's going to be a very important kind of foundational piece uh, for this offense. Uh, They're going to do a lot of play action, a lot of bootlegs, a lot of rollout. And in order to make those plays effective, you need to run the ball. I think Fish recognizes that. Um, It's also a way to make things easier on a new quarterback and make things easier on an offensive line group that really struggled last season.
2: So relatively speaking, their their offense obviously was better than their defense because their defense was literally last in just about every category uh, in the Pac-12 for sure. And as I look at the defense this year, uh, there's the the transfer thing. It's like if you don't keep up to it every day, you're going to miss guys. And I know they got Malik Reed, a transfer from uh, Wisconsin, I think, just here very recently. And they also got some other linebacker transfers and Hayward and Roberts. So I think they probably set at linebacker. Uh, secondary, maybe safety they're okay. Cornerbacks, uh, a little bit of depth issues there. Uh, what is going on as far as how much are they bolstering transfers defensively combined with the players that they have?
1: Yeah, definitely some fresh blood uh, coming in on that side of the ball, which is needed. Um, a couple transfers that you mentioned from the MAC, uh, Trayshawn Hayward from Western Michigan, he was the 2019 uh, MAC Defensive Player of the Year. So, Um, Really good pedigree there. Jerry Roberts coming in uh, from Bowling Green. I would expect both of those guys to be immediate starters uh, at linebacker alongside Anthony Candy. Um, Pretty good depth at that position. Uh, Depth elsewhere, kind of questionable still, um, even with the guys that they've brought in. Um, I thought the the front-line defense looked good in spring, and for the most part, they won. The majority of the battles against the offense, it's you know, it's what happens when you get a few injuries, and uh, that's you know, that's the difficulty when you're Arizona, you're you're not Alabama, you know, you don't have uh, four and five star guys waiting on the bench. So uh, this coaching staff has really gone about trying to build up you know the bottom portion of the roster, really trying to improve that depth. It's got several. Um, preferred walk-ons coming in who had, uh, offers from schools, um, which is a good thing. They've utilized the transfer portal heavily, and I think they're going to continue to do so in the future. I think most schools are going to continue to do so in the future. Like, it wouldn't surprise me moving forward here if the composition of Arizona's recruiting classes was something like, you know, 15 high school players and 10 kids from the transfer portal. It further wouldn't surprise me if a lot of teams who were kind of on that level uh, did the same thing it's just It's just how things are now um, It's going to be a prominent part of team building um moving forward.
0: So I look at Arizona's schedule and there's no Stanford and there's no Oregon State. And the non-conference is BYU on a neutral site, followed by San Diego State and NAU at home. How much progress can Arizona make getting back to 500? Are the pieces of the puzzle there, or is this going to be a rough year? There's going to be a lot of building done, but the record isn't going to reflect any progress.
1: Yeah, I think it's going to be hard to go from you know a 12-game losing streak and 0-5 season to six and six, which, you know, I think would be considered above and beyond um, expectations. Um, So I, the honeymoon period, I think is going to be longer for Jed Fish than it was for Kevin Sumlin because of the state of program uh, that that each guy inherited. Remember when Kevin Sumlin came in, they had Cleo Tate kind of at the height of his powers. They were seven and six the previous year. I mean, it wasn't viewed as a rebuilding project at that time. Maybe we were all fooled because of how good Tate was during that one stretch. Um, But, you know, they were favored in their opener against BYU, I believe, by double digits. Um, And that was probably right where the honeymoon period ended. They lost that game. You know, Tate didn't run. The offense didn't look good. It was kind of downhill from there. Um, They are not going to be favored in this matchup against BYU. Um, A lot of people think that, you know, they're going to struggle to beat San Diego State uh, in week two, even though that game is here and, you know, it's a G5 team. Um, I think that, you know, something in the range of four and eight is what we might be looking at in year one under Jed Fish. But if they're able to do that, if they're competitive and, you know, they're able to, to beat ASU, at the end of the season, I think that would be viewed as a positive, considering where they're where they coming from. Um, so it's it's kind of all tied into, you know, w- what happened before. And when you've lost 12 games in a row, um, you know, not a lot is expected out of you. And the only thing that, you know, Judd Fish has referred to as far as record goes or expectations or how he would define success is he just wants – He just wants Arizona to be a tough out each week. You know, the toughest team that anyone faces in the Pac-12, and the results kind of are what they are.
2: I actually like their receivers uh, as a group. We don't know who's going to be throwing to them, but I think they got a decent set of receivers, although Joyner, one of their better ones, I understand, had some foot surgery and probably is going to miss that BYU game.
1: Yeah, Jamari Joyner had a Jones fracture in his foot last spring. And then toward the end of this spring, he had a recurrence um, of the fracture, uh, which I guess happens uh, in a certain percentage of cases. And he's going to be out for a while. Um, he conceivably could, could miss the beginning of the regular season. Uh, we'll see you know, just a super talented player, maybe an NFL caliber player, um, not something that you want to rush back from. Um, I like the, you know, kind of the top end quality of that group. I'm not sure the quantity is quite where um, they want it to be. However, um, they don't play nearly as many three and four wide receiver sets as they did um, before. Um, Tight end is a legitimate and prominent part of this offense. There are a lot of two tight end sets involved. And when you do that, you know, you really only need two receivers on the field. So, um, they're able to kind of mitigate um, the lack of, of depth a little bit in that regard. Um, Stanley Berryhill, I would say, was probably the MVP of spring uh, on offense. And he was their leading receiver a year ago. Um, and he's the guy, um, I think, who's going to be leading that group this year, no matter who's the quarterback.
0: Well, Michael, we appreciate the, uh, the time, the perspective on the rebuild in Arizona and look forward to seeing the Wildcats play the local teams a couple times this year. Thanks for joining us. Awesome.
1: Thanks for having me, guys.
0: And PK, I'll try not to bring up 70-7 to 7 too many times around you. Hmm. Good luck with that. That's your number, PK. 70 Absolutely. and 7.
2: Oh, we'll never see that again in, in many, many lifetimes, I would think. Uh, but w- what's funny is that I just thought about this. I didn't even realize it. In a fairly short span of time, Arizona's going to open with BYU three times. Yeah. He said, remember the one down in Arizona because it was uh, Kalani's first game. hmm I was there. Yeah. And uh, that little, uh, what's the kicker's name? It was like... 12 years Jake old. Jake Oldroyd yeah, kicks the winning field goal. And I, remember, I asked him in the post game, "How old are you?"
0: There <laughs> were looks... legitimately people on that team who had no
2: clue who he was. He was that so, new. He looks so young, and they won that ball game. And then I forgot about the one in Tucson, and I was there at that one too. Well, that because
0: it was in Tucson. I thought it was in Arizona. It was at the Cardinals Stadium.
2: No, the Kalani's Ol- was, in oh, was was in.
0: Yeah, you're right. Okay, was on yeah. the Cardinals field, and
2: then the and then. The Khalil Tate thing, when it was after he had that incredible season. correct, And they come in with Sumlin, and it just, right from the start, I mean, that very game, we're sitting in the press box up there, and you could hear the Arizona media to our left, like, what is going on here? Mm -hmm. This kid didn't look near like what he had looked under Rich Rod. And I think Rich Rod is a phenomenal offensive coach uh, when it just comes to schemes and everything. And, And I've always... Respected his uh, his ability from the offensive perspective for sure, and then Khalil Tate's just that and just looking awful, and it's like he's just chucking the ball deep, and and nobody was there, and I for, but I forgot about that game. But the funny thing is, as uh, Kalani was walking off the field, he comes up to me and he says. I bet you like this result, huh?
0: <laughs> <laughs> Everybody knows about you in wing, Arizona, and Arizona State. <laughs> uh, PK, to answer your original question about all this, this is part of a three-game deal that was agreed to between Arizona and BYU. Yeah,
2: now that you said that, I remember that. But I had, I had uh, And Mangum played pretty well in that game, and I forgot about that game. That was a big win for them at the end because we didn't know. As Michael Lev was saying, Arizona wasn't that bad the year before. They weren't, and then they just hit rock bottom under Sumlin. It was amazing how how much they everything fall, went fell wrong. Off. Yeah, everything it did. went wrong. Yeah,
0: it was just nonstop wrong, wrong, wrong. And I, you're right; I had forgotten about that game in Tucson, but that really was the game where it's like, wait, they had a really good quarterback. Yes, what happened? He's the same guy. Are you going but to? But he's not him? the
2: same guy. No, it was stunning sitting in that press box. I mean, Sports Illustrated, uh, I think it was them, had on their cover, at least for the West Coast, big, big thing on Tate being a Heisman candidate. And I thought, yeah, I mean, he came in and took the league by storm, was winning player of the week, like... Three or four times in a row from the offensive perspective, and he looked really, really dynamic. Yeah. And then nothing, nothing. Nope. He's a the pocket a. passer. and yeah. It just, yeah, they just put him in a position where he wasn't meant to succeed. And, you know, I really think coaching, of all the sports, coaching and football really matters, and it was just bad. So Fish is coming in here. And the good thing with him is that it's, it's so bad that anything he does, and he's already – been uh, hitting the PR campaign in the really in Arizona, not just Tucson. Because in order to hit the PR campaign, you've got to make yourself available to the Phoenix folks, and he has a bunch of times. So I got to give him credit. He's a Jersey guy, all the way, as I said, uh, he a went Jersey to the same guy high who
0: didn't play football, he was a tennis guy, yeah, and he's yeah, at yeah. Florida leaving sticky notes under Steve Spurrier's windshield day after day after day after day, and finally mm-hmm. gets a a chance to be a you know volunteer grad coach kind of deal you know total grunt level entry level that's a really really unusual path to be in a Pac-12 head coach.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, yeah, nevertheless, uh, he's got a pro uh, uh, pedigree too. He went to the, yep. he went to the same high school as Linda Tripp. No, jeez. <laughs>
0: <laughs> How many people went to high school with Linda Tri- same year or just same school oh, no, a different Linda, time cuz he's Tripp's, younger he's Linda way Tripp younger. Oh,
2: deceased now isn't she? Oh really? Yeah, she's way He's way, way older. younger. Yeah. Yeah, he's way. But but my sister went to the same high school well, went to that high school and was a classmate of Linda Tripp's because <laughs> when all that stuff and if you Linda Tripp was the gal with uh Clinton and what was the other girls the girls Monica
0: went, Lewinsky yeah, they're, they're, Linda yeah. Tripp was the one who told Monica to save the dress.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I remember my sister saying, uh, Linda Tripp, I remember her from high school. <laughs> it's like a, out of nowhere. <laughs> East Hanover, New Jersey, <laughs> where uh, Fish is from. So, you know, he can talk, and he's been winning the PR situation. I got to give him credit. And I got to give the U of A credit, too, because someone was a nightmare. And they saw how Herm is just beloved by everybody. And I think that stuff matters. I mean, you got to have the horses to win on the football field for mm-hmm. sure. But you got to have somebody that knows how to play that game. I mean, you look at – and I don't know what Blake Anderson's going to be at Utah State. I followed him a little bit because of my, my wife's grandmother in Arkansas State. So I have a little bit of an idea. But you look at Kyle and Kalani – And those two guys knock it out of the park. And I think that's really that that's important. It's not the most important, but you can't be a Kevin Sumlin type guy either.
0: You gotta figure a way to recruit and players have got to A want to come to your school and B they have to want to stay at your school and boosters have to want to write checks. That helps. Either you gotta win a lot or you gotta be likable or both. Yes. And the, the thing with Rich Rod is Rich Rod is the only coach since Tomi to leave there with a winning record. They actually, you know, five out of six years he was there, they had a winning record. Now, they only won big once, and obviously there were off-the-field issues that were major. Uh, but Rich Rod included, no one's left there with a winning record in conference play since Tomey. So, there is a lot of heavy lifting to be done. And it starts with changing the energy and the vibe. It does. It but does. they need a whole lot more talent. Your question about the defense was spot on. Defensively, they've got to get better because that was a problem going back to Richrod. Richrod won games because they could outscore people. Mm-hmm. But the the tackling, the lack of speed on defense, you did not have to have a sharp football eye to see who the faster team was. When the Arizona defense was on the field, it usually wasn't them. There were people running away from them, regardless of who they were playing. Yep. All right, when we come back, everything you missed in this show will get you up to speed next. Stay with us.